Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Let's give Jake a huge welcome for being so patient. God's presence was so obviously with us this morning. It was amazing to be able to worship God together. I've really enjoyed over the last few weeks this unhurried series that we've been doing. And when I say I've really enjoyed it, it's been really challenging for me. It's been challenging as we look to slow down, to spend time with God, to stop our busy lives. And it goes against everything that's natural for me everything that's natural when I want to get things done telling me to slow down and to stop and we've looked so far at fasting solitude and sabbath and all those three things have looked at making space being intentional about stopping spending time in God's presence resting in his presence And I was challenged last week by Simon's message on Sabbath, where Simon said that often we think we're too busy to stop. We think that if we stop when we're busy, the world will fall apart. And we don't spend time with God in those busy times because we think we need to work hard to get things done. And what Simon said last week is that we need to trust that when we stop, and rest in God's presence, that God then will take care of us. And when we stop, we trust that God is in control. When we stop and spend time with him, that he'll give us renewed energy, renewed rest, and give us the motivation to then go. That he will take care of us when we spend time with him. And this week, as I was uh, writing the talk for this morning, I had one day where I was getting a little bit stressed of whether I was going uh, to get everything done in time and whether I was going to communicate what I felt God had put on my heart, whether I was going to be able to communicate it properly this morning. And there was one particular afternoon where I was sat with about five books in front of me, trying to work out how I can say what God had put on my heart. And I was I was really getting myself in a bit of a state about it. I was like, come on, Jake, I need to get this done. And in that moment, when I really wanted to get everything done quickly, and I wanted to get it done to the best level possible, I felt God say, stop now. And I felt challenged by what Simon said last week. And I stopped, put my books down, put my pen down, and worshipped God for just 30 minutes. I just stopped and worshipped God. It went against all of my instincts in this moment. In this moment when I was like, come on, I need to get things done, to stop what I'm doing felt ridiculous. But it was in this moment where God recentered me and almost reminded me the reason that I'm doing a talk, that actually it's all about him. It's all about Jesus. It's not all about our busy lives, but it's all about Jesus. And you know what? In those 30 minutes, the world didn't fall apart. And I've still got something to say this morning. But Jesus recentered me 
on him. And I just want to encourage you, especially with this practical series, but with any uh, sermon that's done on a Sunday morning or whenever, that actually the response shouldn't just be, oh, that was a nice message. That was nice to listen to that this morning. But that we get together as a church and we say, how can we respond to this together? How can we respond to what has been said together? And I've really enjoyed doing the fasting together as a church where we're able to say, what's God said to you whilst you've been fasting? What's God been teaching you through this time of fasting? And it's been great doing it all together and journeying together through this series. And this morning we come to the penultimate uh, talk of the series, looking at simplicity. And simplicity isn't really a word that See, it's not really a positive word in, our, in this culture. It's almost seen our culture often looks for the next book, for the next new phone, for the next big thing, for the next Netflix series to binge. And at Christmas, I opened my present from my parents and I opened it up and it, was, and it said on it, AirPods. And I'm not going to lie to you, I had no idea what AirPods were. And I I looked it up, and basically, for those that know as little about technology as me, basically, AirPods are just wireless headphones that connect through Bluetooth. And I've got quite an old phone, so I tried to work out, do, do these headphones work with my phone? So I went to type in on Google whether they were compatible, whether these headphones were compatible with my phone. And I found out two things. Firstly... I found out, yes, they were definitely compatible with my phone. In fact, if my phone was 10 years older, it probably would have still been compatible. But also, I found out that on Christmas Day, on on Twitter, on one of the social media platforms, one of the trending, top 10 trending hashtags, the top 10 trending things that people were writing on Christmas Day was hashtag fake AirPods. And what they were doing is they were complaining because what they had been given for Christmas wasn't the newest AirPods. They were these fake, non-Apple, the same, but they weren't Apple. And I, I looked at that, and I was like, that's actually quite sad, isn't it, that on Christmas Day, so many people went onto social media to complain about a present that they were bought, because it wasn't the newest thing. And, but I, alongside that, I was pretty chuffed that what I got were the real AirPods. So I walked, I walked into Encounter uh, as I came back, and I was asked um, by one of the girls, said, what did you get for Christmas? And with quite a smug look on my face, I was like, I got the real AirPods, not those fake AirPods. And, and the girl said to me, can I have a look? So I showed them my AirPods, and she said, oh, they're the old AirPods. There's a new version of them now. <laughs> as soon as I thought I had this cool thing, there's a new version of it. Our culture always looks to what is next. What is the new thing? What is the next best thing? And we live in a culture where ev- everything seems to be advancing. Science is advancing. Technology is advancing. Philosophy is advancing. Advancing, even theology is advancing. Yet, throughout this, the Bible stays the top selling book of all time. Amazing uh, 
modern thing, the Bible stays the top selling. And 2,000 years after he lived, Jesus is still changing people's lives. I don't know if you've ever tried doing a Bible in a year or a reading plan or really study scriptures in a more intellectual, uh, looking to studying it in a more academic way. When I was studying um, theology at university, I thought going into studying uh, theology that during my time at Bible college, I would have the best faith that I've had in my life. As I'm looking at scriptures daily, and as I'm studying academically the word of God, I thought it would only be natural that my faith would be the best that it's ever been. And I went into it with, and I saw amazing things. As I was, as I was studying academically the scriptures, I was able to see um, the Uh, the scriptures in its original language. I was able to see the scriptures, some of the first copies of scriptures, some amazing evidence for our faith. Yet for some reason, faith was probably at the worst that it's ever been. And I was really confused. Why is it that when I'm studying the scriptures, my faith could possibly be at the worst place that it's ever been? And I realized this, it's just like when we're reading, doing a, uh, a daily Bible reading, going through something like Bible in a year. You can start at the beginning of doing Bible in a year with a lot of passion and excitement about doing this, about spending time with God every day. And then you get into the second month and you're in a difficult uh, chapter of the Bible or a diff- difficult book and it starts to feel a bit routine. It starts to feel a little bit academic. And you're saying to yourself, oh, I've got to make sure I fit in my 10-minute reading today. And I realized, just like that, when I was studying theology, the problem was, it was all becoming an academic exercise. And I was forgetting the simple gospel truth. It's possible to be studying God, but miss the simple truth of Jesus. It's possible to be studying the Bible, yet miss Jesus. We can get so used to the simple, we can get so used to it that we try to add things to Jesus. Where we say, actually, I've heard this so many times that I need to put something else alongside Jesus to make my faith complete. Maybe, It's religion. We say, actually, I need Jesus and religion for my faith to be complete. Or maybe it's, um, maybe it's, maybe we need theology. We need to have good theology to make it complete. Or maybe it's our political views or our cultural backgrounds. But we often can try to supplement our faith in Jesus with these other things. And when we do this, we can forget that Jesus plus nothing is everything. That all we need is Jesus. All we need is the simple gospel message. The simple gospel message that God created humans for relationship with him, 
Yet we said, actually, no, God, we want to do things ourselves. And God gave us these laws so that he, a holy God can have a relationship with an unholy people. But we couldn't keep these laws. So God says, do you know what? I'm going to send my son to live amongst you, to have relationship and to rise again to defeat that death so that I can have relationship with you. The simple gospel message is an outrageous showing of persistent love, of grace and humility. We don't need any more than that. We study scriptures because it means that we can know God more. And scriptures are amazing. The Bible is such a blessing. God's word with us. But it's pointless to be reading scriptures if it doesn't bring us back to the simple gospel message. It's pointless to be reading scriptures academically if we're not pointed to Jesus as we read the scriptures. My friend is a pastor of a church in Chorleywood near Watford. And as he joined this church as the pastor, he noticed that there was a lot of uh, church politics going on in this church. There were a lot of people complaining about the worship. There were a lot of people complaining about uh, the liturgy being used. There were a lot of people complaining uh, if they, their seat that they sit in every week was taken, then they'd be in trouble. There was a lot of church politics. joined this church and said, you know what? I see all this church politics. And because of this, I'm going to spend two years just preaching in the book of Mark. Because the church have lost the fact, the simple gospel message. They're trying to add too many things to their relationship with Jesus. And he wanted to draw the church back to the simple gospel message that Jesus loves us, died for us and wants relationship with us. We can often turn our nose up at Bible verses that are classic Bible verses. I, I, I often, I've got to admit, I often turn my nose up if someone talks about John 3.16. Because it's like, we all know John 3.16, okay? I, 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 get, I get frustrated because, because it's one that I've heard so many times. But the reason we've heard it so many times is because that simple gospel message is such a profound message. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not die, but will have eternal life. It is so profound. Yet sometimes we can turn our nose up at it because it's not complicated enough for us. If we remind ourselves every day of the simple gospel message, if every day we reminded ourselves on the simple gospel message, how would that affect our lives? So how do we respond to this simplicity of the gospel? Options. You either respond by saying, I'm all in for Jesus, or you respond by saying, I don't want Jesus. I reject Jesus. It is not possible to be in the middle of these two things. It's not possible to say, I'm half in for Jesus, but I'm not fully committed. I'm not going to be all in, but I'm happy to be half in. There's a story, I want to read a story from Mark 10, 
of a man who asks Jesus how he should respond to him. It's Mark 10, verse 17, if you want to turn to it in your Bibles. But it is also up on the screen behind me. It says this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honour your mother and father. Teacher, he declared. All these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. This story is in three of the Gospels. It's in all of the synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Luke and Mark. And in Matthew and Luke, it explains that this man that goes to Jesus, he's a young ruler. He's got power and he's got status as well as his money. And he approaches Jesus with flattery. He says, good teacher. This word good was only used for God. The word that he used of good was only a word that was used for God. So he, he approaches Jesus with flattery. And he approaches Jesus with a little bit of arrogance. He says, all of your commandments I have kept. Yet despite this, it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. The basics is this. What does it mean to follow you? What does it mean to follow you? And Jesus's response isn't so much a statement on money, but what he's doing is is he's asking the man, Will you put me first? Will you put me before anything else in your life? Will you trust me wholeheartedly? Will you love me more than you love your money? And in verse 22, right at the end, we see that the rich man goes away sad because he wasn't able to go all in for Jesus. He wasn't able to lay down his money to follow Jesus. For him, his power, status and money was too important for him to commit to following Jesus wholeheartedly. The rich young ruler had so many things going for him. But what he wanted to do is he wanted to add Jesus to the things that he already had going for him. He wanted to add Jesus. He wanted Jesus to be an extra on his life. But Jesus says, no, 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 that's not how it works. You can't add me to your life. Everything else in your life must become nothing. And I must become everything. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, said this. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. 
I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. If we want to follow Jesus, the response to him is, in comparison, nothing else matters. I'm all in for you. So how can we live this life of simplicity? How can we, as we sung earlier, build our lives on Jesus? Actually, it was so profound. This morning, I had no idea what Simon was going to say or the songs that uh, we were singing. But they were both talking about building our lives on the foundation that is Jesus. How can we do that? How can we live a life simply following Jesus? The only way to live a simple life is to live a life of intentionality. We must be intentional in following God. Our challenge is how do we make the main thing the main thing? How can we build our life around Jesus, our relationship with him, the people that we love most, and the work assignments that God has set before us? I had a moment when I was writing my dissertation. I was writing my dissertation on the Great Commission, which says, go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as I was reflecting on my life, I had a moment when I was, I thought, if, if I'm here, if the reason I'm on this earth is to love God and to make disciples, I'm doing it all wrong. I realized I don't actually know any people that don't know Jesus properly. I don't have a really good relationship with people that don't know him. I'm certainly not discipling anyone who doesn't know God. And I'm managing to fit in 10 minutes a day to spend with God. I realized it was a backwards way of living. I'm here to love God and make disciples, but I'm managing to fit him in for 10 minutes a day. Bonhoeffer, before he was uh, killed by the Nazis, said this. To be simple is to fix one's eye solely on the simple truth of God at a time when all concepts are being confused, distorted, and turned upside down. Bonhoeffer's urging us that if we are to live a simple life, wherever life takes you, focus on the simplicity of Jesus Christ, focused on the simple gospel. We have so many things that stop us seeing thing the main thing. Some of you might know the name Maria Kondo. Maria Kondo had a, has a, there's a Netflix series on tidying up, and she uh, she also has a book on it. And basically, what Maria Kondo does is she's invited into uh, people's households to declutter their house, to get rid of anything in their house that doesn't bring joy, that doesn't have a purpose. And she says, if you get rid of everything that doesn't bring joy, then you will live a life that is more free. You'll live a life that is more joyful. And I want to suggest to us, I want to set a challenge this morning, that this week we have a look at Maria Condoring our lives. <laughs> what is it that takes up our time? 
Maybe it's something practical that, that you do out of habit or tradition that doesn't bring you joy but takes up time. Be intentional about looking at your calendar. Where am I making space for God? How am I making the main thing in my life the main thing? How are you doing things that bring you joy, that give you rest in God, that bring you to live a purposeful life in Christ? My prayer this morning is that we will go away and we will look at how we can simplify our lives and focus on making the main thing the main thing. My prayer is that we will, we will look at how we can build our lives wholeheartedly on Jesus. Get rid of the things that don't bring you joy that you do that have no purpose. But focus on making the main thing the main thing and focus on living for Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the simple gospel message. Lord, thank you that you came for relationship with us. You died for us and you rose again so that we can live eternally with you in relationship with you. And Lord, we're sorry for times, times where uh, coming to church, reading your, uh, your word becomes a routine and becomes an academic exercise. Lord, we commit this morning to living wholeheartedly for you, for building our lives on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray that you help us to see where we can simplify our lives out and make the main thing the main thing. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.